interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good morning. Today is Tuesday, the 25th of July, and boy, do we have a special show for you today. I uh, want to start like I usually do, just introducing myself. I'm Grace's dad, and this show is called Deprogramming with Grace's dad because by that little stinker dying, it opened up a whole new world to me that I had no idea existed, and I learned how programmed I have been. And interestingly, she started this process of deprogramming me when she was alive, but she didn't know it and I didn't know it either. But now I see it in hindsight and it was crystal clear. So we'll start with that. Don, can you bring up the picture of Grace? Yeah. So this is my favorite picture of Grace. So she's holding a bouquet of dandelions. She picked these dandelions to give, of course, to her mom, my wife, Cindy. And when I saw the, I saw her holding those, it changed my whole paradigm. So before that, we have a seven acre lawn and I was a lawn Nazi killing all the dandelions annually. And all of a sudden Grace comes along and does this with the dandelions. And, you know, it, it changed my perspective. I realized that I was programmed. You know, now I see it in hindsight. You know, I never killed a dandelion since, since uh, she picked that bouquet. So she changed my life. She did it in a lot of different ways while she was alive. And boy, is she doing it well while she's dead. So if I had a way to, I'm going to switch gears to today's program. And if I had a way to describe it, you know, the people probably remember when they had the XL for dummies. And right before we got on, I was explaining, you know, me being a dummy in another way. About six years ago, I was diagnosed with heart disease and they told me I had to drink red wines. So I started drinking red wine in the first couple of nights. I'm completely shot. And so I asked my son, you know, do you know anything about wine? Because I, you know, I've never drank wine before. And so I said, I'm shot after two glasses. And he said, well, how, how big a glass are you using, dad? And I said, well, I'm using a pint. So of course that it just shows you, <laughs> shows you how dumb I am. So this program could be called, uh, what are, what are the enemy's tactics for dummies? Uh, and thank God I was been introduced to our guest. So please bring our guest on and let's talk about him for a minute, Don. So if you've never met Daniel, I had the benefit of meeting him via this type of Zoom arrangement uh, almost at the beginning of when we started to speak out. But then I met Daniel in Salt Lake City, Utah at the Red Pill last November, and he has become a friend. He is 10 times smarter than I could be on my best day. And thank God he is here to explain these concepts. The only warning I gave him ahead of time is, is like I said at the beginning, you know, like Excel for dummies. We got we to gotta dumb this down for, for me especially, but we want to make sure that he doesn't talk over us because he sure can if he wants to. So when I have conversations with him, I got to tell him, hey, Daniel, just slow down for a little bit. So I, I get this and uh, he, is, he is so so smart. He's become a friend. So the title for today's program is What are the Enemy's Tactics? And this has been put on my heart uh, back in December, Christmas time, when God showed me that you can't just use Grace's story to expose evil. You need to shed light on evil. And evil is from the enemy. And so we're going to walk through a number of the tactics today. 
uh, Daniel, you know, me bringing up some things I've learned, Daniel commenting, and I'll just give you a brief rundown of Daniel. He did a great job with, with his bio. So Daniel Christos is the host of Ball Busters podcast on Rumble. Fantastic podcast. He's got lots of followers. He's also on Roko, Josh Who TV. He focuses on historical patterns of behavior in order to identify who's who in the present day and what their objectives are. Spoiler alert. It's not to spread sunshine and happiness to all. Through the analysis of history, Daniel finds many of the manifestations of government industry, such as medicine and law, organized religions and corporations to have roots in the ancient mystery schools and fraternal orders stemming all the way back to Babylonian times. So that's Daniel's uh, history and why he's qualified to to talk about this. Don, I'm going to introduce the concept today by having you bring up Genesis 3.5. So Genesis 3.5 says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this is Satan's trick. Lies, deception, and fear. So he used some truth and some lies and tricked Eve. All right, so Daniel, with that introduction, can you just, just tell a, a little bit more about yourself so the audience is comfortable with you? I'm not even comfortable with myself, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing okay. Right. Uh, so yeah, about five years ago, I started doing the, the podcast, but uh, it came after doing a lot of reading and being very surprised about what I was finding. And I was always a history guy. So it kind of was a curiosity, but then the curiosity came into like, uh, more, more, more than just curious, more than uh, more like uh, concerned and uh, continued to read and find the resources. And it just kind of spiraled into a bunch of different books. And then I felt like I needed to share it. So I started making videos kind of like, hey, does everybody else know about this? Because we don't seem to be acting accordingly. So, and uh, it kind of went from there. And a lot of a lot of the inspiration came from William Cooper and uh, people like Eustace Mullins and things like that. They've been writing about this for, or talking about it for thirty years before I even figured out anything about it. So, so they blazed the trail, and then so you started the podcast to try to sound the alarm. Yeah, and it kind of developed into something where. Each each video was kind of like I'm I'm doing an analysis of, of something and I'm kind of trying to point out to people to show them how to pick apart an article and identify the like the buzzwords, the manipulation words, sorry, dog, and just uh kind of kind of figure out where the manipulation is being set in and where they're steering you so that you can kind of identify it in other things and just show an example after example of how they do that. And I usually use older references, probably should you be using more uh, timely references because more people would pick up on that, I guess. So incorporating both now, but you can really see it like it's not just legalese. There's there's words that mean different things to different types of people. And if your assumption is made that it means this thing, you're going to have a whole different perception about what they're saying right. than what they actually are intending. So and they do that on purpose, obviously. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I've been learning. I mean, I had no idea of any of this uh, until after Grace. A number of modern examples today. When I talked beforehand, the goal of this podcast today is to help train people 
so that they can start seeing these things to protect themselves and their family. So we'll start with the first one. Uh, Don, can you bring up the spiritual battle illustrated? All right, so Daniel, can you, I'll, I'll introduce this, but then I wanna give an overview. So this is, is a result of the Genesis 3 verse that we were talking about when the first spiritual battle existed, obviously it was before Adam and Eve were on earth because um, Satan was kicked out of heaven. But then once Satan appeared on the scene with Adam and Eve, that's when the first spiritual battle was started. And so then there became two sources of truth, either the satanic side or the God side. And we know that there is truly only one source of truth. Truth. So what Satan did was he attempted to, to get Eve successfully into believing that she lacked knowledge. And so that was the the trick he used and that has become the trick that has been used over and over and over this pursuit of knowledge where god always offered the tree of life satan offered the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it really was the tree of the knowledge of evil and less evil god offered wisdom in the tree of life all right so with that backdrop daniel what are your comments about this yeah this so a couple things a snake or a serpent usually has, at least through like Chinese history and things like that, like the, the, the deeper, longer histories usually has to do with wisdom, but they turned that to be knowledge, which is complete, I think are two polar opposites in the sense because knowledge could be false knowledge, it could be lies, but if it's told enough times, people will believe that because it's just the way it works, repetition. So if, you're, if knowledge to you just means an explanation, well, they provide neat little explanations for lots of things and the re repetition over time and authorities in power saying that they agree with the something or they're, they're pushing it. You know, everyone else thinks that they have this knowledge because they were taught it in school. That knowledge could be completely flawed. And that, well, that vaccine, leads into all kinds vaccines of would be a great example, right? They pushed the word vaccine. So that has a connotation that people have bought into and we all of a sudden have a vaccine culture. Exactly. And then and then the 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 the, the polar uh, division there when you have the anti-vaxxers like that's that's obviously a negative connotation for people who just don't want to be told that they have to inject something into them. There's nothing wrong with that. They're still human beings. And then you have the, you know, the people who got the shot and then the anti-vaxxers. So they use these words to separate people into two categories and then put them against each other an awful lot. But going going back to the to the garden. There, that's that was the beginning of the concept of secular humanism, and so what they're saying is man can become God, and will perfect man to become God, and they do that through those mystery schools. They lie to them and manipulate their minds into thinking that there's some magic truth that they possess, and that's how they they work them into the system. And the the, the promise there is always that the, you're special, so therefore everyone else is inferior to you. And then there again, you have that separation between two different classes. But what I want to say, though, is that concept of them being naked, but then just realizing it after they, they have taken fruit, they feel they feel ashamed and they try to hide in the garden. What I see that is it's 
it's a it's like a metaphor for having the armor of God and never knowing that you had it because you were protected from things that you know you def you 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 normally wouldn't been allowed into you right like spiritual forces things like that so when they lost grace or whatever they kind of lost the armor and that was what they felt they felt that sense of not having that protection anymore and that was what that that's why they hid because they were frightened ashamed and all those things but it was because of that lack of that protection and i think that's what was a symbolic death already surely truly you will not die right if you if you eat from the fruit truly you will not die i i think that was already a symbolic death there because it was a separation correct yeah that's i've never uh heard it explained that way but that is a, a perfect explanation as to what took place because it wasn't the and then the the fig leaf is also symbol provide but the um the fear that they felt they had never felt fear before because they couldn't be attacked by spiritual forces. And so that's one of the key triggers that I'd like to share relative to Grace's death is because I felt trapped to fear is why I took her to the hospital. And if I would not have done that, Grace would be alive today. So it's really important that we realize what Satan's tactics are. So, I mean, a simple way to classify them are lies, deception, and fear. So when those type of things, when you feel fear, it's from Satan. Um, I'm not talking about fear of a fire. I'm talking about internal fear in your heart where you're afraid of something. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today is lies and deception, mainly deception. All right, well, let's let's talk about some of these um, many, many ways that Satan uses to um, to deceive us and that he ends up becoming the angel of light that God warns us about. So what I want to do, Daniel, is Don's going to bring up five pictures in succession to show one of the ways Satan does this is by use of the second law of thermodynamics. So the second law of thermodynamics, another way to say that is the slippery slope. If we don't protect what's true, it eventually degrades. And Satan is a master at that. And what happens as he's doing that is we become the boiling frog. So we're going to go through these five pictures. Uh, we'll just do them in succession. And then, Daniel, I want you to comment about the second law of thermodynamics, the slippery slope, and you can relate it to the five pictures. So go ahead, Don. We'll just put each one up on the screen for a few seconds. All right. So you see a street there, people, cars. All right. Next one. All right, so you see now a street a little bit more modern. You see kind of a semblance of a crosswalk. All right, we'll keep going. All right, now it's a little bolder. Now we've got a traffic light, crosswalk, uh, very defined. All right, we keep going. Oh, now we've got uh, we've got a state law saying that if somebody's in the crosswalk, You've got to you've got to yield for the person. You, of course, you remember when? Well, I do. I'm older than most of you, but when I grew up, you know, our parents taught us you know, look both ways. You know, the car has the right of way. Now the person has the right of way. All right, so we keep going. And of course, now we have absolutely no accountability. So you can be texting, and you just walk right into the street, and the car is supposed to pay attention to you versus you paying attention to the car. All right, Daniel, what do you think of 
the slippery slope in your comments. Yeah, it it appears to be more freeing for the individual, but it's putting restraints on a, a whole other class of people at the same time. So the person who's the driver is now being put through more regulations and has to, like you said, if, if, if somebody hits somebody, they're always at fault. It's not because somebody jumped out in front of you. You're at fault because you hit them. You know, so if they do something that technically, if you're not in the crosswalk, I guess that would be maybe one of those cases where it doesn't apply. But still, you're in the vehicle, you're supposed to be paying attention. Yet you're probably also texting. You know what I mean? So, right, like, right. so it's th things can happen. And then you have, you know, motorcycles zipping by from side to side to trying to trying to cut through traffic. I mean, there's lots of Rebecca almost got hit by one when she was little. Actually, she did get hit by one a vehicle. Um, so, I mean, it's. You can see the restraints being put down and why would this common courtesy be something that you had to enforce with multiple laws in the first place wouldn't the the common sense and the common courtesy be overriding any need for such a thing but allowing government to take control of those types of things and have some say in it allows us to kind of have lost not only our ability to communicate with one another and that type of system uh, of just you know using your head is now being you don't have to do anything now it's already done for you it's like treating you like a child in a sense you know and protecting somebody who should be learning some from their experiences through life rather than having it all set and pampered out to them like looking down at your phone and walking slowly across the street i can't handle people like that because i've always thought sense of urgency get out of people's way be courteous if you see them there if you're the only thing that's in their way and they have to do something take a turn or whatever hustle up you know yeah you know from a, a little bit bigger picture by us agreeing to these things we end up slowly turning all of our rights over to the government and so then the state becomes our protector versus what are our god-given rights and responsibilities i mean personal accountability is a key biblical principle. And th this whole concept takes away um, our need to be personally accountable because the state will be accountable for us. And, and that is, um, that is the slippery slope in action. Yeah. How do you develop as a person if someone else is already stepping in? It's like when two parents don't agree and you're trying to discipline and the other one overrides you. It's like, okay, well, now the point was lost. Right. <laughs> you know? so. Yep. No, that's uh, that's that's right on. All right, we're going to move into something that is quite intense, and it's I see it all over the place now that I've been exposed to it. So this is the Hegelian dialectic um, tactic that Satan uses to get us involved with the lesser of two evils. So Don, can you bring up that document? And Daniel, I would like your comment on it, please. Yeah, so with Hegelian dialectic, there's there's a lot of things that we have to understand about our country first before we can really truly understand why the need and all the effort for making this polarization in the first place, because neither side is different from the other. So we have to ask ourselves why why is that happening and why are we supposed to be the ping pong ball in between that it gets knocked back and forth between the two because there's contradictory 
things that occur on both sides, which is, um, I think, deliberately made to make your head split so that you're so confused that you just say, just show me what to do. You know, yes. just just tell me what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm over it, you know. So you have, oh, man, so... They, there's a there's an archetype that they form on both sides. It's like a cult of personality, and you have this figure who's supposed to represent a certain thing, but do they actually do that, or is that just their persona? And when their actions don't meet up with that persona, it's wiped away with some kind of explanation from the people who support them because they don't like being wrong. So you, they end up supporting the system by feeling some kind of personal attachment some kind of identification to one side of idealism or the other, not understanding that they're both working for the same, they're both going down the same road, at least, at least with the same destination, maybe they're taking different routes. And I, 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 I yeah, go ahead. Well, that's, that's right on. That is the, so this is maybe, well, not maybe, this is the single most important thing I've learned since Grace's death is the paradigm of evil versus less evil. And Satan has got us convinced it's evil versus good, but it's not. These dialectics are all evil versus less evil. And God's way is always outside of these dialectics. So we'll, we can just dive into Democrat versus Republican. All right, so that's the easy one, right? That's the low-hanging fruit on the Hegelian dialectic because everybody knows the Democrats are bad, right? All right, but so then now we have the Republicans. All right, so then they're they're put out as good. Well, I mean, when you drill it down, you see what's going on is Satan, just like a coin, has two sides. He has an evil side and a less evil side. And he spins these dialectics to get us into that. So right now, I mean, we're, you know, on top of mind, it seems like most people, I don't even care anymore because I'm not voting because voting is another dialectic. You know, you have to use your civil responsibility and vote. Well, you're you're voting for the lesser of two evils, which means you're in the di you're in the dialectic trap. God's way is always outside of that. Anyway, but now keep right. going, Daniel. It's your, I want you to comment. Yeah, if they're providing the, you know, if they're providing multiple answers, it's still the same source providing the answers. So if they're giving you this candidate or that candidate, there's just it's just like with the Aldridge plan and the uh, the Federal Reserve Act. There was no real difference between the two. So vote for this or vote for that. You're still going to get the Federal Reserve, basically. Uh, so here's a word that I think we should talk about if we're going to talk about like dialectics, and that's the word juxtaposition. And it's the fact of two things being seen or placed together with contrasting effect. So night and day, good and evil, war and peace, humanity and technology and so on, family and outsiders and things like that. So they use juxtaposition in so you would know there's obviously a, a very clear defining line between these two things and they see they 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 pose them as polar opposites of one another but when two so when when the same source is basically creating both of these things you can't you can't expect a different outcome depending on you know oh i i picked i picked for this candidate or any any certain thing like that like throughout history you're looking at they're giving you two answers both are going to get you the same place they're going to take a different like i keep saying this over again but it's actually this this is how they do it and then the propaganda of words on top of that the the triggering mechanism mechanisms of emotions to manipulate you to gravitate depending on what you're, what you're built with you know what kind of morality you have 
so that you get magnetized to one side or the other, and then that becomes your identity. So then now you're defending and propping up the system, and you're helping it along because you are so engrossed in this concept, but you don't even know if that person actually is supporting that. You just believe that. It's, it's already been ingrained that that's what they do. And I, I think that happens a lot with candidates too. Boy, is that, you really said that fantastically. Take a, let's apply that to a couple of things. So lower taxes. So when these candidates talk about lower taxes, fit that into what you just said. Right. There should be no direct taxes from the federal government at all. So it, the tax yeah. system is illegal. Yeah. And the only reason why we have that, or they, there's no, there's no actual law, but there was things set in place like our, our, it was 19, I would tell you exactly, March 9th, 1933. It was uh, when we were talking about the boiling plate, I was going to try to put it in there, but the federal government dissolved by Emergency Banking Act. And that put us all into basically debt slavery. We were, we were then after that point, we, we, we had the responsibility to pay back the debt and we were the collateral. So it places every person who deals in public national credit debt based fiat. So if we utilize money, we're in this, we're in this uh, system. We got, that's, it's a default. So if we use their money, we're in that default system in legal position uh, of a merchant. So now we're not a person anymore. We're a merchant, which is basically a, a, a an entity, right? And controversy involving, so let's see, a straw man, basically, and the only jurisdiction over any controversy involving him is admiralty and maritime law, which is basically the same thing. So no more common law, constitutional courts, no more true yep. rights. So and once we understand that and that the government itself was dissolved, anything that they put up in front of us pretending that there's a government on its face is, is a lie. And anyone who, who is a candidate who doesn't tell you this in part of their, their, their uh, dissertation or their, or their rhetoric is, is deceiving you. Well, I think they have no true power. They're, they're taking orders and they're just a figurehead. They're a character. This will, you know, grain, grace would do when, the, when these type of things were explained. I've had several months of having that percolate through my brain already, but, uh, you know, if, this is the time to stop the tape and dig into this. It, it's what Daniel's saying is, is true. And, you know, so now take that same concept, Daniel, apply it to, what we have bought into with our judicial system, which specifically I'm talking about case law. So all case law is illegal. Yeah, um, if it's right, because it's putting into the Admiralty Court in the first place, which says the, the best place to see how this good evil dialectic is uh, invalid is when you attempt to argue facts and righteous and righteous justice or common sense in a court. They operate in commerce law. You have to get them on contract or uh, through the codes themselves and argue jurisdiction. Because if you're talking about right and wrong, it's 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 inconsequential to commercial law. It's, Correct. It's a completely different animal. So I'm I'm innocent doesn't make a difference. They don't care. The fact that you even walked in there, you subjected yourself to the to the ruling of that. Yeah, basically, yeah, you you <laughs> indentured yourself to the court, basically. I'm finding this out, you know, in real time with Grace's lawsuit, 
you know, we've filed the lawsuit, of course, because we're wanting to shed light on evil. So we subjected ourselves to this illegal system so that we can expose it. But it's it's sick when you look at the motions and things like that. I'm not going to dive into that here because it doesn't matter. But, you know, I see this in real time. Uh, comment about the lesser of two evil dialectics. We We opened it up earlier about vaccines. So comment about vaccines and then also abortion and how that both of those topics fit into the lesser of two evils dialectics. Okay, Scott, if I if I go off on a tangent here, uh, reel me back in. Because <laughs> what, what I... All right, you, when, you asked for it. <laughs> when, it when it comes to the vaccine, it's always based on the assumption that vaccine fix, right? Vaccine applies fixing something. Correct. And nowhere in history, and we'll talk. This is this is just a side note right now. And nowhere in history can you actually prove that vaccines did anything to help anybody. But, and you can definitely find a whole lot of information showing that it harmed more people than it ever quote unquote helped. But the the they're they're implying this with everything. So Donald Trump, you know, you know, he wanted to be known even even a year after his his uh his presidency was over as the father of the vaccine he was going to rush so the whole the, the implying that and the, and the and the idea or the premise the assumption and assumptions killed scott our 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 assumption that people mean what what they're saying that they that the words that we think that they mean because they have double meanings mean what they mean they it creates a fake world for us another a fabrication that we're we're assuming and that's assumptions kill i'm just going to keep saying that because that's really really important so we assume vaccine means fix. We're, we're, they have a vaccine. Good, you know, and that's supposed to be a good news thing. We have a right. vaccine. Don't worry. We have a solution for the problem that we already created. You know, they it's, created uh, the problem, <laughs> right? And they have a solution already ready before they even created the problem. But anyway, yeah, keep keep going. Yeah. So I mean, so so the operation warp speed. They like don't. It's like we're gonna go through all these all these. Uh, measures and uh, and all this great effort to ensure that you have this vaccine and that's people who aren't thinking think well wow that's great correct but but what is first of all are you sick at the moment do you always take medicine when you're not ill <laughs> you know it's like what what is what is the point here? i guess nutrition and, and food would be the medicine if you're taking it when you're not ill but who takes tylenol when they don't need a don't have a headache you know and it's it's that type of mentality like this vaccine is going to make me bulletproof. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be invincible because I got this thing. And that's the assumption that's in your head. You've created that in your own head because you didn't look at the actual paperwork and the literature on this to figure out that, you know, they've never really been so great. And I don't really know about this one. And they said it's kind of a new thing and they have done it in such a way that it's not even really a vaccine. And, you know, it doesn't even have like the the, the dead antibodies or whatever in, in there or, or the dead virus or whatever, the quote unquote virus. So all that was whew, right over people's heads because vaccine good, vaccine fix. We have problem. Fix, fixy fix. You know, it's it was that simple. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, and they created that whole culture. So where does that culture come from? We go right back to the garden. Men want knowledge. And so then once we start pursuing knowledge, men can fix man's problems versus if you look at the paradigm where God's involved, God's always outside of this. So God knew 
whatever is going to come on this earth, he's got it covered. Why? Because he told us that. Our bodies are a temple. We're supposed to look to God for the solution, not to man. So we bought into the whole allopathic medicine. We're going to cover that actually a little bit later, but let's just let's just do one more example with this um, lesser of two evils paradigm dialectic that they suck us into. So abortion, that's a that's a near and dear one to me because it it seems to be one that everybody has an opinion on, but they're not seeing, very few people see it outside of that dialectic. So can you comment on abortion in the dialectic pattern? Yes, uh, and, and I just want to make one more comment on knowledge. When you went back to that example that you just said about the garden. Yes. When I was talking about earlier, this kind of is a good time to bring this up. When you identify with something and you if you think you have knowledge you don't want anybody to take that away from you because that that makes you feel special that makes you feel like you're above another that you have some kind of significance so when someone tells you that all the things that you've been taught are wrong nobody wants to hear that because that takes away their them being special that takes away all their effort that they've done to, yeah. to learn these things and know these things so they're going to defend and protect that no matter what and I and I think that like going back to the garden thing, it's it's that knowledge that you think is knowledge, it's not really knowledge anyway. Because I I don't think there's anything wrong with knowing you shouldn't harm a person. I think you know knowing Correct. that that's bad Correct. is there's that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think God probably already had Adam and Eve covered on that one. You know what I mean? Well, God even <laughs> says my people perish for lack of knowledge. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about knowledge as this um, idol that replaces God. And right. You know, that that becomes the problem. And what you um, actually now I have two comments. First of all, organized religion fits into this pattern of people thinking they're special because they have this thing, this special interpretation that just applies to them. So they become the church of the only ones. And, you know, that these these uh, denominations become uh, Satan's way of capturing the people's desire to get right with God. And then the other thing you said is, you know, um, assuming kills. And another way to say that I want to just share because I'm 60 and if I don't share it now, I'll forget, which is until you know the why, you know nothing. Yes. So children do a fantastic job. Why, 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 until you actually give them the answer. And, Scott, we do a terrible job as parents sometimes, don't we? Because we just yeah. say because because it is, you know that because that, I said so, and right. we 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 wreck them when we do that. Exactly. Yeah, I try very hard to be cognizant of that and not be, you know, I, I, I'm I'm really good with my daughter. I'm not really good with anybody other any other human being on the planet when it comes to patience. But with her, I for some reason I I reserved it all for her. I guess throughout my entire life, I never had patience. So. It's all for her. Well, you reserved a little <laughs> bit. You reserved a little bit for me. So. Oh, you're a friend. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not anti-human. I'm just, or by any means, I was just saying. I, I I love people. I just find that that sometimes puts you in a position where, then you're like, ah, oops. <laughs> I trusted that person, huh? <laughs> all right. Well, let's get back. We'll get back to our abortion. Yes, okay, I want to so. have people see this because it, it helps if you can see dialectics. It's right. a tool that Satan uses, and it's a major one that I want people to learn to see it. So that document that was up on the screen, Don will have all these documents in the show notes. So you can see that document because it gives multiple examples. But go ahead with the abortion one, Daniel. 
right? If you were in a room full of people, I don't care if they're liberals or conservative or whatever, and you said, all those in favor, or, or how many people here, raise your hand if you agree that killing the innocent is a good thing. Everybody would, or it, that, that, that we shouldn't kill the innocent. Everyone would raise their hand. Of course you shouldn't kill innocent people. Who would, have, would say that, that you should? And then, the, and then they say, how many of you are pro-choice? How many hands go up? Well, what's the difference? You know, what's, what's the difference between killing the innocent that you just said is a bad thing because it isn't really your body, your choice if it's a different life. It just happens to be hanging out with you at the moment. Okay, it's not yours in that sense. It's a separate entity. It has its own thing going on. And you're making a decision. You're overriding its will. So that's it by itself is evil. I mean, if you're trying to do it in a guiding way, that's that's different. But if you're trying to extract it, that's a whole other story. And uh, there's another A word out there that people haven't really put too much thought into but it's not abortion it's adoption at least it still lives even if you don't want it you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like where what why is that such a bad thing if you, if you as a parent or as a person don't think that you're going to be able to provide a good life for it or and i don't think it's anything about that i think it's about responsibility and, and shrugging it like yeah i want to go do whatever i want to do and i don't want and, and screw the consequences you know right. you no know, accountability for what those choices do and if you, that means you get pregnant, you know, then, oh, well, there's a fix for that. There's a pill, there's a this, there's a that. And what they're not seeing, and I think this is what helps people get isolated from that, is they don't, they don't, they're not awake during what happens. They don't actually see what they're doing. They don't see the gruesomeness of that. And they don't know, they don't, they don't, go, most people don't go online and start researching what it looks like or either. So to them, it's just, oh, it was just a bundle of flesh and no big deal. Yeah. But but that's the lie. That is that's the, the lie. lie, you know. And I, I don't think anybody who, in good conscious consciousness, could actually see what really goes on and think that this is still. Oh well, I mean, it's your choice. It's no, it's a life that you just destroyed, and just just as if it was taking it to the altar, to the furnace, walking through the ark of ark of ball and Palmyra and you know bringing it to the furnace and doing what you're supposed to do with your firstborn and they did and scott and, and uh carthage it was one of the uh things that the noble ruling class were expected to do with their firstborn male child so they started dressing them as women as girls which is where uh, some of this comes from from the, from that history uh it also was done in the victorian times when they were big on egypt in the, in the victorian time the other thing that they did was they started they started a market for finding other children outside of their community as stand-ins and presenting them as their child. So then human trafficking and the black market for stealing children also came through came out of Carthage too. Like there's roots in Carthage for both of those things. And when Rome got there, they were freaking out because they're like, we did we disrespect of the gods we tried to fool them and this is why they're coming here because this is our punishment and they went on a tirade trying to push as many children into the furnace as they could they got like to 200 and something and the romans are like what the heck are these people doing and that's that's rome talking and they have no morals i'm not trying to say that more, there's no moral superiority in, in rome whatsoever but even they were shocked by what was happening in carthage because their minds were so 
it's and that, and that's why I got to go back to the priestcraft being the evil, because I you know, I, I I know Satan as as an idea, uh, like I mean like something to focus on, but they always talk about Lucifer and all these you know mystery schools, and that's like the 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 light cipher, like the the light code, because cipher and cipher, it's always about the phonetics and how it sounds, right, and how if you're pronouncing it correctly and what it means to them, it's it's like the secret of the light, is kind of like what Lucifer is, right. So that's what they apply. And I, I don't think that any of them truly believe in Satan, but there's plenty of it in them and plenty of it in, in their, in their, in their makeup. So, I mean, I, I think, I think that's kind of self, uh, self, uh, what do you call it? Oh my God. It's self-reflective that, that obviously there's some kind of evil force in here because it seems to flow through history like a thread and it, it's never been absent in mankind. It, we've always had to deal with the, the evil it's always there, you know. And now it, it seems on steroids. You know, a a pastor who I've met who is not bought really framed the abortion um, um, debate well to me. And this was back during the Senate race um, last November. So the bad side or the evil side says, my body, my choice. So the woman's right to choose. And then the less evil side says, well, there should be exceptions for incest, rape, health of the mother, et cetera. All right. And so as he said, it is that dialectic is they both agree in murder. It's just a matter of degree. So God's way, again, is always outside of the dialectic. God wants us to live. So every life is precious to God. We're not supposed to murder one. So it's that dialectic is there. Well, then you have now, so then we have multiple things going going on because we not just have the abortion dialectic, but then we have the two parties seem to be um, promoting that dialectic. But then you also will have these candidates say, well, you know, personally, I don't believe in abortion, but as your elected official, I have to represent the population, which that becomes even another dialectic. So you see these things there, there's dialectics within dialectics. And go ahead. I, go I ahead. was gonna say, they, so they're creating basically like the exception to the rule, logical fallacy, as if that's somehow, somehow the common thing that you encounter. Most people who go to have an abortion aren't doing it because they were raped or because they were there was incest occurring. Correct. So that's a very tiny fraction of any of this stuff that's happening. So the exception to the rule means that if you have to open it up for them, then therefore it should be good for everybody. That's that's Which that's the a, weaseling worm that gets into your brain and just destroys your mind. And then all of a sudden you're into the dial, you get trapped into the dialectic right. through that what you just said that that fallacy traps you. All right, we're going to move on to problem, reaction, solution, which is also another way, uh, another explanation of Hegelian dialectic. But we're going to drill it down a little bit so you can see this from a common way that it's used. So problem, reaction, solution, there's nothing inherently wrong with the concept. You have a problem. So like your, your toilet doesn't flush. You have a reaction. Your wife says, hey, you got to fix the toilet. And then the solution you either do it yourself or get a plumber. So problem, reaction, solution is a, a good in the light of sol a problem solving technique. But when it's used to manipulate is what we're talking about. So we're going to first start with 
with uh, with a gimmick to get people to see oh this is this is all over the place so don go ahead and play the short youtube clip number 19 car valet if you frequently find yourself frustrated by your car's cup holders both the space they offer and the number of them available fret no more because car valet is here to help spilled coffee everywhere all because your cup holders never have room for actual cups this product is basically just a touchable cup and other accessory holders. But while it's a pretty good idea, the way it's advertised leaves much to be desired. Pink lemonade? Oh, um, thank you. Well, you know, I don't have a cup holder. Can I just give that? In the infomercial, we see people dropping all kinds of stuff. At one point, a woman who's talking animatedly on the phone drops the device. But luckily, Car Valet is there to catch it. Okay, so obviously, you know, we we're not going to fall trapped to that, but if we needed it, we'd buy it. But this idea of problem reaction solution is a programming method. So, Don, I'm going to have you bring up the problem reaction solution document and Daniel, I want you to comment on what's on the screen relative to it being used to program us. Right. And so in in a natural world, the same source that created the problem wouldn't be the same source that gave you the solution in the first place, right? Your reaction in the middle to it is what they manipulate. So, I mean, they certain things will generally have the same type of response to them. Of course, if your toilet doesn't flush, you're going to want to fix that. And it, 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 of course, you know, so in this, in this, this isn't, this is a generic and this, I'm sorry, not generic. It's an organic one because that, that would be the logical steps that you're talking yeah, about. Very good. It's organic versus right. program. Right. Yes. Politicians don't get anything done. What does that mean, though? Like, so the problem is the problem right there is you're you're thinking that they have to solve the problems and that they should have the responsibility too in the first place. That was already planted in the heads of people that that's what their objective is and that's what they should be doing. They should be interfering with our daily lives. So frustration going and voting. So you're voting for somebody to take control of things that you should be handling on your own and then you get the result the result is you got what you what you what you paid for basically because you've already shrugged that responsibility onto another and then expected them to do what you wanted them to do very well put that 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 is right then you're into that trap and i mean i see it now again i mean the presidential uh, election is takes up a lot of the airways right now it's ridiculous i mean the well we're we're not going to get into the candidates are already picked but um yeah on the voter fraud thing and then this this yeah. is one of those ones where there's no it's it's not about the answer it's about the distraction and the wasting of time i think because the voter fraud right this is wrong but by by whose by whose definition you know because the other side doesn't care if they win dirty you know, and no one else really does either. They're usually happy if they think that they got the safe candidate that's going to make their lives continue on at least the same, if not better, for a little while. So they don't really care how that happens as long as it happens. So there's kind of a uh, an ethnic, ethnic, <laughs> an ethical issue here, and there's like a morality issue here because it's like subjective to what makes them pleased. So voter fraud, they'll deny if it's because somebody that they, you know, if, if it helps somebody that they wanted to win, win. But they'll go crazy if it 
did the opposite and took away the candidate that they wanted because of that identity thing again. Yeah. Well, then the other question would be relative to voter fraud. Is that another dialectic just to get us off track? To, you know, so I see the magician thing happening over and over. The left hand is working on one thing like voter fraud, while the right hand, the less evil side of Satan, is working on something much more dark and evil while we're all focusing on this. Right voter fraud thing is as an example they don't make the they don't make the things that they want you to focus on too complicated because people would, would check out of it they have to be simple enough for people to understand it has to be very blatantly obvious that something strange anomaly did occur and then they have to deny it so that it it, it attracts people to be baffled by why why is this happening why are they well, how could this possibly be, be occurring how could they not see this that that's 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 the lure that's bringing in intelligent people to have to debate a dumb thing because it, once you know that it is, then you have to, you, what you should be asking is why is the system this way? And why are we, why are we being, why are we being shown this in the first place? Because it's that, yes. that, that, that alone is a manipulation. That fact that they're openly talking about it rather than ignoring the topic, because that's what they want to, that's what they do when they don't want you to, to focus your energy on something is they don't even bring it up. That's why I think the QAnon thing was a lie too, by the way, because why would major media pay attention to uh, an 8chan channel unless they wanted everybody else to be curious enough to go look at it? Sure. You know what I mean? So that that, that to me is like, hey, hey, don't forget about our PSYOP over here. You know, it's like, <laughs> but it- Well, let's say, you know, just look at what they did with, with COVID. You know, first they're- you know, it's a lab leak. And then they leak out that they covered up. It's a lab leak. It's really not, uh, or excuse me, first they said it's a, uh, from a wet market. And then they leak out that they covered up. It's a lab leak. Well, it isn't a lab leak at all because it's not even a virus. Right. But I mean, it, it just is. Um, so all these things take us off of the truth. So when you, when you see it, the best thing that you can do is stop and start processing and okay what is really going on here is there something hidden because when the government announces that they covered up the lab leak you realize oh my gosh this is is a complete psyop you have to come to that conclusion if you're awake right and if they if anything was tested in wuhan it would have been a poison not a virus and that's possible that type of unleashing could be possible, but the, the virus thing itself is not because that's not been proven. But the best propaganda, and this is why it's why it's so hard to get yourself out of it and get out of the dialectic, is that the best propaganda doesn't manipulate lies. It manipulates truth to a, you know, it steers you in a direction because it's how they manipulate those things that are very real, like voter fraud, like the fact that there's people getting sick. They manipulate things that you can verify, but to go in, in a direction that they want you to go with it. So they control the, the, the current or they steer the herd in a certain way. And that's, that's, that's harder to get out of because it's a valid, these are valid things being used in an invalid way rather than it just be flat out lies. But those are also included, you know? What a great segue, because that is how they're doing this. This is Satan's tool of deception. And the propaganda takes some truth and steers you the wrong way. So 
Don, can you, so this thought could put this question in your mind. Everybody remembers Stella uh, Liebeck. You might not remember her name, but she's the lady, the 79-year-old lady who spilled coffee on her lap and sued McDonald's in 1992. So we're going to play a short clip and to show how uh, the idea that both the Republicans and Democrats will never let a good crisis go to waste and employ professional propaganda. So go ahead and play that clip, Don. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, an elderly woman was severely burned when she spilled a cup of McDonald's coffee in her lap. An 81-year-old woman has been awarded $2.9 million after she sued McDonald's, claiming their coffee was too hot. Pardon me. We got a chance. Do we have a chance? You get me one coffee drinker on that jury, you gonna walk out of there a rich man. Stella's daughter says that although over the years some stories have given greater context and a new perspective, such as the documentary Hot Coffee, her family is still haunted by a perception that doesn't seem to go away. Plasma getting bigger, Jesus getting smaller, spill a cup of coffee, make a million dollars. It was a very hot issue for a long time. It's probably one of the most sensational, high-profile uh, tort cases uh, of the last 20 years. So when tort reform comes up, most people say, oh, sure, the McDonald's case. Republican lawmakers crafting the contract with America seized the moment. They tapped into public outrage over frivolous lawsuits to promote the Common Sense Legal Reform Act. Liebeck's case became Exhibit A. A lady goes to a fast food restaurant, puts coffee in her lap, burns her, her legs and sues and gets a big settlement. That in and of, it, of itself is enough to tell you why we need to have tort reform. This um, this one really gets in my craw because tort reform, reform has trickled down and impacts Grace's case. And how it does is because all the state legislatures have put in place medical malpractice liability limits because they have to protect doctors. Why? Because the doctors won't practice in their states unless they have liability protection. Well, Daniel, you own a business. I own a business. Do we have tort reform? No, the purpose of this whole tort reform thing was to for the Republicans to fill their coffers from their big corporate donors. So here we have another, another example of a satanic tactic through propaganda. And do you want to comment on that one first? But I'm going to, you sent me a clip that we're going to go to next, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, they, so they, seized an opportunity seeing how ridiculous this case was i'm sure they had this stuff on the books for a long time that they wanted to implement but they waited for the event because this is something that happened in, in an isolated instance in a case how did the whole world find out about it in the first place people like that mike rosen guy talked about it forever like he said Correct. it's those people that that brought it to the attention awareness isn't always a great thing we're not we're not supposed to be world citizens in the first place we're supposed to tend to our families and our yards and all that stuff and that's it when you know the people around us our communities we're not supposed to be world citizens that's an artificial construct so for all of us to be thinking at the same time putting all our energy into this they promoted and publicized the event so that they could then later point at it as a precedence for for the tort reform so they built it up because they saw an opportunity 
saw an opportunity yeah. with something that was ridiculous enough for most people to say that is just outrageous. There's no way. And of course they misconstrued the facts and they retold it in different ways. And I like thought it was 11 million when it wasn't that much. And it's all these, you know, it, it it's, it's like one of those fables that, that grows legs and gets, gets different details added to it. Every time someone else tells it, you know, like the, the grapevine uh, phenomenon, by the time it gets to the other end, it's a whole different story. So, <laughs> but, but it's, it's that type of thing that everybody remembers because of so much effort that was put into creating this archetype this uh, this thing that they could then point at and say well obviously you need to reform that because and, and who does that benefit it benefits big corporations from getting sued for when, when they do make mistakes because it's not going to be morally or ethically and this is the assumption again that it's going to be morally and ethically applied in certain instances when there's just outrageous um uh, what do you call it frivolous lawsuits no they use it in everything in, in every way and they harm people and they rip they rob them of any kind of due justice with tort reform absolutely i mean so we see that uh, like i said in grace's case we see it with you know the national vaccine safety act from 1986 but now we have the prep act with with covid so then you know anything they could do under the guise of covid is is with impunity it's it becomes ridiculous and and we've accepted that through the second law of thermodynamics that we talked about before. All of a sudden, we don't we're we're just the dumb population, and we just think that that's that's a necessity. All right. So this idea of um, watching out for propaganda. You sent me this clip last week, and I just it was fantastic. We're not going to play the whole clip, but Don's going to play about two minutes worth, just to give people a sense of of. Um, how far back this goes now this is a training clip this is what's funny about this clip is it's a training clip to watch out for propaganda from 1948 so go ahead don perhaps i can help you chuck i think the election was a victory for good government it might also be called a victory for propaganda but that would have been equally true if our opponent had won but how can you study it well you can begin by investigating the techniques of propaganda here I've listed some of the main ones. Glittering generalities. What is a glittering generality? That headline you were quoting, a victory for good government. Good government is a phrase we use many times during the campaign. We said the mayor stood for good government and promised good government. But it's true, isn't it? What's true? What does good government mean? Is the mayor's idea of good government the same as yours? I see. It's a glittering generality. One of the best. There's another. Yes. And why do you suppose our opponents chose that phrase? I guess because everybody likes a real American. Right. Here are a few on which I've been gathering material. Hitler and Nazi Germany had a campaign of propaganda that ran over many years. Then there's a wealth of propaganda to study on the subject of Russia and communism. There's propaganda to study in our own American elections, national as well as local, and in many of the major issues on which elections often hinge. Well, if I don't learn about propaganda, it won't be because there's no way to study it. That's right, Chuck. Remember the techniques of propaganda and use the procedure we out as a powerful force. So powerful that your study, your study of propaganda is important not only to you, but to me and to the world 
So what I found quite interesting about that introduction to studying propaganda is it was propaganda by itself because it, it presumes that that we should be in, in election cycles. And so you know, it just was, it was awesome. I really liked it. But I want to frame that by talking about how they um, deal with propaganda in a big way. So the Smith-Month Act of 1948 happens to be the same year that this propaganda video was put out. So I'd like you to comment about the smith Month Act, but then also its repeal. Yeah, which is uh, very interesting to me. Okay, so go ahead. So I pulled up something from rcreader.com, and it's a commentary on the Smith Mund Modernization Act of 2012. And it says there's a high probability that you have never heard of the Smith Mund Act of 1948, which would uh, comport to not knowing or caring about the Smith Mund Modernization Act of 2012. And I that that statement alone is what part of our problem is that we have been asleep at the wheel for too long and the smith money act was supposedly and obviously we know this isn't true but at least there were, there was the artificial sense that we were not allowed to be propagandized by our own government but they could do it overseas for whatever espionage Correct. reasons that they wanted Correct. And so, yeah, the prohibition was lifted in 2012 when the smith Mund Modernization Act was signed into law by President Obama, abomination, I almost said, allowing the same propaganda disseminated by our government to foreign publics to now be released in the U.S. for the very first time. Obviously, that's also that's a very naive statement to think that that's the first time our government lied to us. Well, yeah, so we know, okay, so I mean, they have this law, this law that they passed that says in 1948, they can't use propaganda against us. Well, then, you know, before I put the JFK assassination as number three all time on the propaganda list. So even though they have this law in place, they use, they, they use propaganda for the JFK assassination. Right. And then under Obama, what did you call him? Uh, I said Obama. abomination by accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like an accident. <laughs> so under abomination, they repeal. They re So now it's legal. I mean, you can't make this up, right? It's now it's legal to use propaganda on your own citizens in the United States. Do you, do you want to know so the best when, part about that, Scott, is that we pay for that? Sure. We pay for that propaganda oh. <laughs> through our taxes. Yeah, thanks. I was starting to I started to have fun with this interview and then you got to whip that on me. Oh. Yeah. I mean, this is this falls into that category. Are you sitting down? Because then you start coming to grips with, "Oh my gosh, it's what they're doing. They have crossed every T and dotted every I. Everything they are doing is perfectly legal." And according to them, who make up the rules as they go. According to them. Right. <laughs> doesn't mean it's moral it's not right that's not what i'm talking about but from in the system of legality we we have they have crossed every t and dotted every i and this is one of the things i, uh, I we're going to talk about this about how they hide the truth in plain sight um, but it's up to us to find it you know it's a it's another satanic tactic that we'll get to in a minute so i want to i want to have a there's a few more points about satan's tactics that i want to talk about one is um, divide and conquer. And we have to remember that Fauci and Gates, they are minions. They are not our enemy. Satan is the enemy. And this clip 
what we're going to share next. Boy, does this, this when you listen to this, there's so much that sounds right, but I want Daniel and Daniel to peel this apart and then I'm going to comment too. I had to watch this one a couple of times. And this is important when you see something for the first time and it seems right, you may have to take a step back and discern. What I've enjoyed about getting to know Daniel is he can do this live because he's doing it, been doing it so long. It takes it takes me a, a number of, of chances with, especially with clips like this. So go ahead and play, play the Fox News clip, Don. Shocking new allegations from a doctor in Washington state who says the medical community in his area deliberately gave people who are unvaccinated for COVID-19 a, quote, lower standard of care than those who were vaccinated. Dr. James Miller wrote that op-ed and he's here to explain. Doctor, thank you so much for being here. What are some of the most egregious examples of the unvaccinated getting a lower standard of care? Well, thanks for having me on. Um, the way it was done was this very cynical euphemism of saying we're doing this to protect staff and other patients and therefore we're not delivering care to the, these people who are, who are not thought well of. Um, in the substack, which you mentioned um, that, uh, that I was able to get published through a Midwestern doctor, I describe um, how that kind of came to be and how I ended up starting a free clinic through my church to start helping people. And uh, one of the patients who came into the clinic was just too sick for outpatient care. She needed inpatient care, but she was unvaccinated. And uh, when I sent her to the hospital, they had available monoclonal antibodies and things that she needed, but uh, she was sent home inappropriately and treated with just such disrespect. She ended up not seeking healthcare from anyone, including our free clinic. All right, Daniel, your, your perspective on that clip. All right. So there's a couple, there's a few things that I pull out of that. And the first one is, even though this isn't maybe not the direct and, and implied main point that they're trying to come through with, is this tells everybody that if you're not vaccinated, that you're going to get a lower standard of quote unquote care, whatever that means to an allopath. So that will maybe trigger some people to go get the shot so they don't have to encounter that type of thing. If, when they do go. So that's that's one subsection of people that hear this and and they, they'll take that away from it. Well, I don't want you to yep, be involved and wrapped just, up in that. Yeah. I just want to comment on that one because I think that that's a good takeaway. The other thing that it assumes is, is allopathic medicine is right. So Correct. you're already in that frame of reference. And so that's, and of course they have a doctor who's, who's, telling you this. And so it gives you the perception that, oh, okay, there's, there's good allopathic doctors. All right, keep going. Right. That was what I was, I was going to, that was my other point is that it implies that their method of, of care is somehow sought after and should be something that will, you know, it, it's going to make you better. So that, that also implants the mind, into the mind that they're going to you shouldn't question them because you just want that level of care that everybody else is getting because they've got all the answers and you don't want them to to uh, withhold that type of care from you. That are again makes them the, the be all end all and the only source for that knowledge. So right. that's that that's that sets that other problem up right there. So that these are many layers in these types of things and it's very simple. It's a very simple thing, but you can see all the ways people will perceive and and process this information to have different thoughts going through it, right? 
I agree. Well, then another one, you know, so you, you said a key word there, the layers, and it's real important to see these things in terms of layers. So first, the first layer is Fox News is the one uh, sharing this news. So right. that that's already suspect because they're bought by Pfizer. So why what would be their motivation of sharing truth when they're part of the controlled opposition? It doesn't make any sense until you see it in a lot bigger perspective, which is this evil has to be exposed in order for the angel of light side to come into play. People have to see the evil. And, and so even though this on the face seems like, oh, wow, this is this is good. It's really getting people in the fold to know what's happening. It's all part of a much bigger scheme. There was one other. Did you have another comment on that? Otherwise, I have one more. Yeah, I did, because this also plays for the um, the lack of resistance to when it comes to COVID. Like, let's say this person who's unvaccinated has, quote unquote, what they call COVID. And now they're if if, if all they do is. You know, if, if they're manipulated enough to for the, for this to be a thing, they will insist upon the protocols because they want the standard of care. They're not going to say the protocols. They don't know that there's they probably don't even know that there's an NIH protocol that's going to murder them, but they're going to want that same level of care. So now these people who didn't go for the shot, who, quote unquote, are sick and have something going on, they're going to be empowered by this type of, you know, video clip of, of, a, of a newscast to be already prepared in their mind that they have to insist upon getting the same level of treatment. Well, that same level of treatment gets you in a dot body bag because yeah. that's what they do. So that they, they just, they just created another way of getting people who aren't vaccinated to, to also be taken out by this, uh, this, this agenda. Yeah. You know, excellent. That's uh, that's a piece of it. I didn't pick up on the other piece I picked up on was the necessity, you know, they they made it seem like triaging is going to be is either has been or is going to become a necessity. And so this business of triaging is part of the whole collectivism agenda to get right. people thinking, well, we've got to ration care, which is uh, which is a bunch of crap. Uh, all right. I'm going to move on to predictive programming next. Another tool that they use. So, Don, play the, the clip on predictive programming, please. America's media empires. We're here to come up with the next phony baloney crisis to put Americans back where they belong in dark rooms glued to their televisions, too terrified to skip the commercials. Well, I think... NBC, you are here to listen and not speak. I think we should go with a good old-fashioned public health care. Yeah. A new disease. No one's immune. It's like the summer of the shark, except instead of a shark, it's an epidemic. And instead of summer, it's all the time. That oh, is okay. Now, I hate to be the guy who derails what everybody else loves. He loves being that guy. But, Janice, we do have standards. This can't be a made-up disease. The only moral thing to do is release a deadly virus into the general public. We do have something we've been holding on to, but it hasn't been tested. Get over here, NBC. Uh, well, well, we certainly believe in testing, but I... Oh, oh. Wow. Wow. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. So, we've got our deadly disease. We have to burn everything the cat touched before the virus makes us paranoid! Homer! Stop burning! They have a vaccine! All right, we'll get the vaccine. Don't worry, people. We 
So, you know, this seems like it would be just hatched in that it plays perfectly into what we just went through, right? But this was done in 2010. So do you have any comments about the predictive programming you see in real time today as to what's coming next, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I, but just a couple of things on that. When was sure. this, when was the spine flu and the bird flu? Was that around that same time where they make, but they come doing commentary on that? Because it's also funny that they didn't just open up in that boardroom meeting. Why didn't they, yes. all, cause it's a cartoon. Why didn't they all put on gas masks and just open up a jar? <laughs> why did they, why 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 was it why was it a vaccine that they used and then say we have a vaccine and nobody puts the two together they just assume that that vaccine had the virus in it or whatever they're calling a virus that killed that killed the the, the NBC guy yes but, but but this other this other thing this other needle is the cure it's, it's it's that type of reasoning that happens automatically that people need to start pulling themselves out of because if you want to understand what's good they're showing you this thing kills somebody, they have a vaccine. That was pretty direct. And no, everybody's going to assume that they're two separate things. Yeah, very good. You know, but what were you asking me again? I'm sorry. I was asking you, I have, what have you, what are you seeing in real time that gives us a glimpse as to the bigger things they're planning next? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, they're not even, there's nothing cryptic about it anymore. They're just telling you straight up that they're going to take away every last bit of our sovereignty, which we don't really have, but uh, by taking away the last thing that we could use for any type of currency outside of digital. And, but that also is, that that's a dialectic in itself because now you're, now you're defending fiat over digital and neither one of them are money. <laughs> so it's like we want our cash well that cash is debt currency it's basically saying that it's you know right you're you're and you're using that money so that means you're into the admiralty court law where you don't have any rights you're, <laughs> you're, you're right that they it, it, they aren't hiding things anymore uh so the next thing i do want to talk about is hiding the truth in plain sight and it it is if uh, Satan has been unleashed and there's no, none of this hiding where you have to find it anymore. Uh, you know, it seemed like the, the old paradigm before COVID came on the scene is, is the stuff was all hidden. So I want to show something that uh, in this idea of hiding the truth in plain sight, I've been sharing this probably a hundred times already. It's a section 1553 of Obamacare. So, Don, if you can bring that up. So this says specifically how they're going to kill us. So it says the government may not subject an individual or institutional health care entity to discriminate, <coughs> excuse me, to discrimination on the basis that that entity does not provide any health care item or service furnished for the purpose of causing or for the purpose of assisting in causing the death of any individual, such as by assisted suicide, euth euthanasia or mercy killing. So there you have it. I mean, they're telling us in writing, March 23rd of 2010, Ezekiel Emanuel, the chief architect, told us he's going to write it this way because he said people who are non-contributing members of society do not deserve medical care. Well, here it is. And so now they have the method to kill us. And it's, it's, it's in plain sight. Nobody can deny that that is the intention. And then they can hide it because you think, well, I'm not on Obamacare. Well, everybody's on Obamacare because the Center for Medicaid 
services is the one who sets the standard of care for the entire country, whether you're on Obamacare or not. So we're all under this. Grace was killed, murdered because of Section 1553, period. I mean, it's so it's it's right in plain sight if we're willing to pay attention to it. And this is another document that shows they're all in on it because the Democrats passed it unanimously. The Republicans refused to appeal it. Why? Because they're all in on this agenda. All right. So I want to talk, switch gears, Daniel, to um, collectivism players on a larger scale. So this is, I want you to talk about the allopathic medicine dialectic because this is, these are big players. And specifically, if you would comment about how the Hippocratic Oath has been sold to us as a lie in that allopathic medicine dialectic. Okay, so it would be... I said a mouthful there. Hopefully you got it all. It's pretty funny that the Hippocratic Oath had undergone several revisions, most notably in 1948 by the World Medical Association. World, catch that part that it says world, so it's collectivization collectivism in itself because that's coming down from something like the united nations or something that of, of that nature this version is called the declaration of geneva revised declaration of geneva and that's something that you guys can look up for more on that but what there says the oath has changed over time as medical science has evolved the original version required the new doctor to promise all the gods and good goddesses that he would so they're saying that it's they're taking away god out of that but they're saying that yeah. they're updating it but that's not really what happened it's it's a it's like a loophole that they're creating and if you get into the document the hippocratic oath is, is the hypocritical oath basically because it's it's all assuming that their care is valid in the first place that allopathic medicine is the answer so if your standard and belief in care is is a belief in a system that harms people more than it than it than it does good, but you believe that it doesn't, or you don't believe that it doesn't, and you act as if it does do good, then it doesn't matter what your oath is, because your oath is in, inconsequential to the reality of what you're doing. You might believe that bloodletting is the best thing on uh, since uh, you know sliced bread, but if it's killing people like it did our first president when they bloodlet him to death, then then you know. That's that's because your thinking was incorrect, and because you were indoctrinated into believing the system, or you were too afraid to realize or to, you know, go against it when you found out otherwise. So right. that, that's the issue. It doesn't matter what you believe. I can take a note that I, you know, impaling people is is the best thing to to clear out uh, land for for gardening, but it's not really it, it, <laughs> to to apply that. People are like that's 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 not correct, but. If that's your belief and you take that oath, what it doesn't it doesn't mean that it's a valid method of doing something. It doesn't mean that allopathy is the way to do it. If their if their entire structure is based off of a lie of germ theory and everything else that they've done since then, since Rockefellers have taken over and pushed out homeopathy, homeopathy, naturopathic medicine, chiropractic, all these things had valid, and they were all the difference between allopathy and what we're talking about with all these other ones is they followed the natural law. They followed God's way. They 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 tried to support the system that was already trying to fix itself. It did. It, they didn't say that you're a stupid animal. They didn't say that you're devoid of God or spirit or that you're that you don't have you know internal intelligence and divine intelligence inside you. They didn't deny all those things. Yeah. Allopathy has to do that because it's atheistic. So they can't yeah. they can't by definition ever try to attempt to support it with nutrition or anything else. 
the only thing that you can treat a, an illness with by law because of the, because of lobbyists is a drug. So if it's, 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 that's a law, you can't say take vitamins or, you know, and then those vitamins themselves might be synthetic. So it's, there's, it's so messed up, but the, the assumption being that, and that's again, that the assumption being that allopathy is the way to go or that it's the only thing out there. And the, both of those things are, are in, incorrect. And a lot of these things come from way, way ancient beliefs and practices that they're still trying to apply to. And, and it, it, they're, they're going to do it to however many people they have to do it and kill as many people as, as they have to, to prove that they're right, even though that kind of proves that they're wrong, that it doesn't work. And that, yeah. that, that's, the, that's the smugness and arrogance of it all, is that they'll, they'll, they'll keep killing you with this until, until they get their point across that it works. <laughs> well, I, right. That's, uh, that's, again, very well said. And I like the humor at the end. The other thing I, I want to play on here is a naturopath doesn't enter into an oath. He does what God says. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. God warns us many times in scripture to not, not take, not to make oaths. Um, right. Because what if we find out that you're wrong? then it's then you still have an allegiance to something that you know it's now incorrect all right so then still on the spirit of collectivism so collectivism is for the good of the of society versus the good of the individual so i want to switch gears to from medicine to churches churches are really head over heels into this game of collectivism and you know what i heard when we first started speaking out is is this a hill to die on and the answer to that question is yes it is a hill to die on in fact masks were a hill to die on why because anything that takes us away from the truth is on the path of the slippery slope and now we have in this process i learned about rockefellers funding christian seminaries pastors trained by fema ppp grants for shutting down big churches having vaccine clinics um anyway your perspective of churches being involved with this this game that we're in okay yeah so this goes back to public law 94-564 page 8 section hr 13995 and this is talking about the federal reserve system again and is a sovereign power structure separate and distinct from the u.s and i'm getting to the point here i promise it is a maritime lender operating exclusively under maritime admiralty law. They took us completely out of our system and enslaved us to a merchant god, basically a trickster, a Loki, or a Mercury, or a Hermes character. And those are the gods of the merchants, right? The trustees hold legal title to all of our land. The citizen was registered as a beneficiary. I'm getting to the point, I promise. And, and uh, so when you get to where it says we are the collateral, our property was the collateral we, as we are you know, now economic slaves. But here's where it comes into the play. Nonprofit organizations are also collateral against the, the national debt. Now you understand why 501c3 churches towed the line during COVID and were more, more than compliant because their status determined, was dependent on it. And that's, that's, that's 501c3 and having that contract means that the government tells you what you're doing and what you're going to do. Otherwise, they will start to threaten you and your your entity. So there's that. But then you also have the World Council of Churches forever 
indoctrinating people through these little, well, you know, Jesus didn't really mean that type of type of, you know, placing the doubt and changing things and turning Jesus into a socialist and all this other stuff that they've done over the years right. so that they've implanted Marxism into, into every church. So you have that working on the minds while you have this working on the finances and the manipulation there. Wow. So the money doesn't come if you don't, if you don't tow the line. God's church hasn't changed, and that's what we have to stay true to. And I'm just for the record, I want to define two terms. So religion versus faith. Religion is man's way to reconcile with God. And that's what they've convinced us to do because we'd like to we like to do something. We like to earn our salvation versus faith is God's way to reconcile with man. There's nothing you can do as a person to get right with God, Jesus Christ paid the price. And that's the only way we can get right with him. All right. I want to, we're going to head into our wrap up. So the last major topic here is the freedom movement wants us to see the solution as logical versus spiritual as a natural progression of society. This has been coming up in spades lately. You and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, especially we actually specifically talked about this clip that Don is going to play next. And so he'll play it and then we can talk about it. Go ahead, Don. There are a lot of people waking up, which is a great thing. And that's what I'm saying. This is great times that we're going through. There's two ways to view it. You can view it as destructive and negative, or you can view it as very positive. And every time we've had a, a shift, a great awakening, you have to go through a lot of pain and trauma and suffering. It's just like interviewing addicts that have, have been clean for 10 years, but have spent 20 years in multiple rehab centers. And I've said, well, what was it? What was it that finally broke that? And, and, and you've been clean for 10 years. Something had to happen. Every single time they said, I had to hit rock bottom. Huh. I, had to, I had to lose everything. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I had to go through the most pain, the most trauma, the most suffering that I've ever gone through in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And then it just clicked. And I've never touched that again. That's what we're going through right now, folks. We're going oh, through, not for everybody. Scale. You know, people like us, we've already become awakened, but there's a good, there's, there's, there's the awakened at the top, then there's the people in the middle, and then there's the people at the bottom that will never, those are the ones that watch CNN every day, and those are the ones that are just gonna run out for every single bioweapon. That's their destiny, that's their destiny. Maybe some of them are gonna wake up and come, but right now there's a huge demand for the people in the middle that are becoming awake, that need us, that are just waking up to this, that are just beginning their journey in this great awakening. And, and it's up to us because we all feel like we've been put on this planet to do exactly what we're doing right now. That's right, yeah. To help hold the hands of the people in need and to walk them through and to educate them in, to the path of enlightenment for this great awakening that's happening right now. Yes, there's going to be lots of death and yes, there's gonna be lots of destruction. But at the same time, this is, this is what we need because the whole world has been addicted and zombified. That <laughs> no kidding. It, the only thing that's going to awake them is to shake them up and to get and to have them actually go through the pain and the trauma and the suffering. Shake them. Wow. Yeah. So I, before you comment, 
I'm going to bring up one thing on the screen, Daniel, then I'm going to have you comment. So, Don, can you bring up the John 15, 5 reference? So Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. And this is what I see lacking in this great awakening movement is they don't acknowledge for a second how we got here. We got here by rejecting God. And that means the only way out of this, it isn't that we don't have a role. We all do have a role, but it always starts with acknowledging how we got here. Rejection of God, which means repentance, is always the first step out. And I'm going to come to back to that in my closing. But now, Daniel, your thoughts, please. Was that Dr. Ed Group? Yes. Okay, put him on your list of priestcraft, mystery school Babylon type of psychopath, eugenicists, if if I if I may say that. That a eugenicist couldn't have said that any 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 better. So they're prepping us for mass suffering and pain because we need to learn a lesson. That means multiple deaths, and that the so this great awakening catchphrase, what does that mean and, and to whom? Who are they awakening? And if you're, and from what's perspe what perspective are they talking about? What we assume is bringing us back to constitutional Republican law because that can't happen with the Federal Reserve in place. Are they talking? Are they talking about awakening Lucifer and bringing back the Mystery School Babylon? Because this sounds like more like that type of plan. I don't think God ever said, "Hey." Let's. We need to murder all of you to get so you can learn your lesson. That's how we have to do it. They can't just sit you down in a chair and explain anything to you. They, no, they have to murder you, and you have to go through that pain in order to. Well, that pain is also like the final pain for the people who actually die. Yeah. So that they don't. What are they going to learn? So th this this whole thing is a nonsensical statement, and and he and it's a preparation for the for the coming traumas that are ahead. That you're supposed to expect this and assume that this is God's way, so that you don't try to fight against it and resist. This is another way of putting somebody who's very capable to sit on their hands, like just like QAnon said, trust the plan, sit on your hands, wait for the savior in, in the form of a man, right? So this class system, he says, people like us are on the top. Then there's the middle, then there's the bottom. Right. So now you're now you're separating society into these groups because you think that knowledge of something is somehow making you superior. And that goes right back to the mystery schools and the and the Freemasonic order and all that stuff too. So he, he, he multiple, he, in multiple ways expressed that he's a priest and that you should, and that he, and that he has this divine power that he's going to, he, he's, he's making these, these generalizations and these judgments against people. And don't worry, this will all happen for the best type of nonsense. Yes, there's going to be death introduction. It's what we need. What, what kind of mental psychopath says that? And and they, so they need to add, they, Ed Group thinks they need to murder. God needs to murder a bunch of his God. Let's put it. Let's make sure that we understand that we're not making that assumption. His God needs to murder a bunch of people and make them suffer in order for them to understand. Because we've gone away from whom exactly? I understand that we can say that world is corrupt and they put the cameras on all the people that are messed up and corrupt. But we're sitting in these chairs. We're not part of the problem. They're not. They have no concern or regard for, you know, filtering out the good and the bad. They just need the chaos, order of KO. And this guy, this guy and his message was absolutely, I have a whole different view of it than, I love Dr. Lee Merritt, but I think I have a different perspective on what I saw just now.
No, so. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, your perception is influenced because you have studied this over time. You know, my perception, I haven't studied it over time, but I see this great awakening as the angel of light side. So that's where, you know, while the, while the great reset is happening, the great awakening is happening. In fact, I'm going to have Don pull that picture up next and I'll comment on it. Then we'll go. Yeah. That, I mean, I agree. I get it that that was supposed to be a good speech to, to, to waking people up, but also there's that bandwagoning thing that they were doing where if you, if you are in the know and you believe that what we know, then you're going to be okay. It's going to be those people behind underneath, you know, all the ones that have been pulling you down this, you know, all your life. This is all, this is all communist talk. The people that are pulling you down. If this is that, that was complete utter garbage. Sorry, I'm starting up now. Well, I thought so too. <laughs> but I mean, you, you have the, you have the history behind you and studying history to comment on it deeper. I'm commenting on it in the perspective of what God showed me about using grace's case to expose evil. Don't right. just use it to expose evil. Do it in the context because there is a race. I see there's an absolute race of people exposing evil right now. And this What's is a good example. Right. This is a good example, right? Because it sets up the great awakening, which is the Satan reinventing himself as an angel of light. So this is not God's way, not God's yeah. way at all. And you can tell it because there's no repentance. And, and Scott, you know what's great about calling it a race is in every race, the the outcome, the 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 finish line is the same place, right? So it doesn't matter. You're an individual racer, but you're all racing for the same objective. Regardless, if you call yourself a Democrat, Republican, uh, a truther, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, allopath who's converted and now he's holy, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a number of those, right? Yeah, exactly. Don, can you bring up the um, great the great reset document? All right. So, this document has a whole bunch of um, uh, text with it. Also, this will be in the in the show notes. In fact, all these documents that are on today are all on Grace's website or AmazingGrace.net. But here's how I see it. I found this this uh, picture through probably Alexandra. She's been a gift in helping me see this in the right light, the evil versus less evil paradigm. So this is this is on a an esoteric level. On the exoteric, a lot of the dialectics Daniel and I have been talking about today, today are on the exoteric level. We can see them. This is all behind the scenes, but it's coming into play in real time. So the Great Reset, all this evil stuff, the central bank, digital currency, and yet the Great Awakening is being proposed and it's, it's also in play. Because what, what they want to show us is out of this chaos, they're going to produce an order that will be easy for us to buy into unless we're paying attention. So the Great Reset was never designed to win, but to deceive, to set up the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is an inversion design, designed to, to play on our desire for security and comfort. And the security and comfort reset which is the other side of the esoteric dialectic to steal souls. And that is the finish line for Satan. His goal is to steal souls, whether it is by murdering them in hospitals, the jab, whatever it is, evil, but then less evil does the same thing. And so our desire for security and comfort is going to play right into this. That's how I see it. That's why that diagram, I think, is an outstanding picture of 
what we're in right now. Daniel, I'm going to move into closing and then I'm going to come back to you for the final word. And then if you just want to hang around afterward, we'll just talk for a couple minutes and then Don, I know, has another show. So where are we at in God's timeline? No one knows other than the Father. We can know that where we were, are at based on the evil we are experiencing did not happen overnight. We are clearly in the Antichrist beast system. The false prophet beast system is next. Don, can you bring up Revelation 18.23? Revelation 18.23 says, For the merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. Sure seems clear that that's what's going on now. We have all become the boiling frog. However, we cannot blame Satan. Whether we boil to death or survive is up to us. We have a free will. God's economy includes the law of choices and consequences. Before Grace's death, I was like most, enjoying my selfish life. The church pulpits have been filled with people-pleasing leaders. Instead of exposing evil, pastors emphasize half-truths. Pastor Matt Truella, the author of The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, explains, quote, the more insane the rebellion, the more insane the consequences. We have rebelled against God slowly at first and rapidly today, and we are experiencing severe consequences. What is God's purpose in this law? There's only one, to bring us to repentance. If we repent, he will save us. If we don't, he will destroy us. The Old Testament shows this pattern over and over and over. Only God's light can overcome evil. The second Holocaust is upon us. And Daniel, I'm going to have Don bring up the second Holocaust document, and you can comment on this when I come back to you for the final word. Uh, so this document in the first Holocaust, they said the problem was eugenics, the reaction, World War II, and then the solution, Nuremberg trials, the United Nations. Well, yeah, I think there was World War II in the light of a bigger esoteric agenda could have been a setup for what we're seeing exposed today. The problem, this is from Satan's perspective, reducing the population, the reaction, implement and expose the evil agenda, the solution, capturing surviving souls under the guise of power back to the people with the security and comfort hook. So that's how I, that's how I see it. It's a couple more points in closing. It is time for godly men and women to do their part. Diedrich Bonhoeffer stood against the euthanasia program of Hitler and paid the ultimate price. He famously said, to not speak is to speak and to not act is to act. What would Jesus do? What will you do? Satan has created a wall that seems impenetrable. However, if godly men start removing one brick at a time, the wall can be crumbled. Finally, a biblical spot scholar I learned a lot from in my early walk regarding our responsibility to prepare said there's two mistakes that can be made. Number one, failure to prepare. And number two, relying on your preparations. We rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. He also said a barrier to the truth is believing you already have it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Have you been programmed to not accept the truth? Daniel, you've got the final word. Okay, I'm going to work back 
from the end going back to the beginning um yeah the what the biggest threat that jesus posed was that he was giving people the truth and that was what was so dangerous about him because these mystery schools that were in play and still have been for all these times they were coveting knowledge they were coveting information they were making this class system where only certain people were able to have these quote-unquote secrets and he was exposing them for what they were and that was one of their biggest problems is that you know no more deception no more being manipulated by this type of this type of system i'm breaking you out and that's the the, the truth is the only way to the only path to take to get out of that and that's that's uh, that's a credit but it's also that that theme should if if that doesn't resonate with you because you'd like the idea of being told the truth then at least understand that that's why Jesus was here was to present the truth and express and explain to you why that's important if you didn't already understand that truth is important in the first place but uh to speak is to not is is uh to not speak is to speak that goes back to like a tacit agreement right that that's that's one of those little uh yes. so we were talking about uh an adjective if you if you were to refer to someone's tacit agreement or approval you mean they are agreeing to something or approving it without actually saying so often because they are unwilling to admit to doing so so they want to take they want to take the easy way out by just not being involved but that is your agreement because you're consenting by inaction and that's one of those things and it's also a participation in evil even when you think you're not in it you're participating in evil because you're allowing it to happen that's i mean in, in any other way if you, if you see something going on uh it's it's like aiding and abetting or it's uh it's enabling and sometimes because you weren't there to stop it so and if you're capable of doing so you, you as a as a human being have a moral responsibility and duty to do something so right. if you don't do something then you have then you've then you've gone into the the side of evil to where you're allowing bad things to happen around you without doing anything about it so what is your purpose at that point why are you here do you think it's you're here to to go to a nine to five job or you think you're you do that to occupy your time until you're called upon to do your actual purpose. Right. You know, so. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. Up. Yes, sir. Did you have something else, Daniel? Sorry. No, no. I just wanted to say that when you pull out that diagram of the, of the, uh, the great awakening and you yes. see that, that what looks like a fork in a road, but if you look at it, it could also be an X. Um, what I see is those are also like spokes, right? You're looking at spokes on the road and spokes support the wheel and around and around we go so it doesn't matter which one you pick because it's around and we're still on the same hamster wheel if as long as we're still stuck in the dialectic whatever spoke that we happen to think is the truth we're walking down we're not allowing ourselves to understand the full reality of what we're actually doing because we're assuming more than we actually know we're going to get stuck in that same thing and we're going to keep going around and around and around and we're going to be the you know, the road, the, the tire hits the pavement and we're stuck in between. We're going to get squashed. Yeah, we've got the only way out of this system is to adopt God's economy. If we do not adopt God's way, we are stuck into that system. And it is, you know, now that I see it, I mean, there's so many traps. It's hard to it's hard to grasp. Daniel, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. You know, we, we just hit the tip of the iceberg. But hopefully this is enough for people to start digging on your own, start paying attention to what's going on. And I hope people can use this as a tool 
to share with others so that everybody can start seeing this. And the goal isn't just to see it. The goal is to escape it. So thanks for it. Thanks for coming on, Daniel. Thank you for having me on, Scott. I appreciate it. Further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.